Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What's up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. This is going to be an episode that I need to re-listen to over and over and over again. The biggest place I struggle, the place where I have no idea what I'm doing in any of my businesses is leadership and leadership development. I've never worked under an awesome leader. I've never been coached. I've never had any sort of training in this. It's somewhere I am completely lost and I struggle every single day, but I know to grow my business and my businesses to the size I want them to be, to scale, to be awesome, to make a bigger difference. I've got to learn how to be a better leader. Our guest today, she is an expert in leadership development. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a host of Defining Moments of Leadership podcast. She's a leadership coach. The founder and CEO of Team Catapult, Marsha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chad. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. I, I am super excited. I'm telling you, of <laughs> any topic of anybody mm -hmm. I could ever want to have on this podcast, you are it. Um, I, I feel like I can find information mm -hmm. and I can learn how to sell, how to do marketing, how to yeah. create culture, how to do all those things. But leadership and leadership development, I struggle so much. I mm. I feel like I'm, and for most of us with my size business, we're really good at what we do at the technician mm. part or the serving the client part. But honestly, we suck at leadership. I suck <laughs> at development. I Those places. Mm. And, and I know part of what you talk about is how to structure communication and conversations mm -hmm. around leadership development and how to predict the outcomes from it. And I am yeah. pumped to cover that. <laughs> so Marcia, I, my ears are turned on. I'm excited yeah. to have you, but before we dive into you really teaching us what the heck to do, tell us a little bit about how you got here. Where did team catapult come from? How did yeah. you end up in this space? And I will say one more thing before I let you talk. I know I'm like, keep cutting you off. You have an extremely impressive resume of mid-sized to global Fortune 500 companies that you have consulted and worked for. But for me, the number one, Starbucks. I saw Starbucks on your list and I'm like, all right, she's worked with Starbucks. This this is my, yes, this is my team here. If you yes. listen to this podcast knows like I have like a two a day Starbucks habit and like they're like my whole world. So uh, you, immediate credibility there. I'm in. Uh, but but yeah. yeah, kick us off. Tell us what's up and how we're Team Catapult uh, started and give us a little background. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to say something about how you let in first, which is, I think there's something about leadership in general, I'd say, I think we're all working on it constantly. So while I might talk about it, um, and yes, I definitely have some things to say about it. I just, I think it's a journey. And there is sometimes more art to it than science. And so while there are things that we can get really um skillful at like we can master something i think there are also the the human being pieces of it that just take constant work but but structures and frameworks and all that are really helpful so um i'll say i'll say this in way of like how team catapult came to be like my my background is actually in software engineering so that was my 
my first degree, um, I have two degrees actually in it, and I found myself early on working in tech companies, in startups, kind of bridging the gap between end users and developers. Um, until I reached a, a point where I just decided I was quite uh, focused and passionate about helping people change and lead change and bring organizations to that process. I'd seen several examples of it done okay, some examples of it done really not okay at all. Um, and I, I, so I, that's really what brought Team Catapult to be. Well, We'll celebrate, uh, I think it's 18 years in August. So. Oh my God, that's so yeah. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Ah, yeah, thank you. What most businesses uh, don't even make it five years and you're celebrating 18 years. That's yes. huge. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're super excited. But I, you know, I, one of the things that, um, that I found as being, uh, you know, I came from a world where I was really good at process. Like I could bring in process, I could bring structure, I had ways to look at strategy. And I, there were aspects of that that I felt like I got really, really well. Um, when I started to take on different leadership positions and other in other jobs, but then when I got to, you know, doing Team Catapult, I really reached a point where some of the things that were happening, I was trying to solve sales problems um, and the, like the the highs are high and the lows are low. And I couldn't quite figure out how to navigate it or how to rally people around it. And I felt like sometimes the more I tried, the harder I tried, um, we kept running into disagreements and arguments. And finally, I went off to coach training, not to become a coach, but because I was I use the phrase all the time. I was out over my skis in working with other humans and all the training that I had had. I, I don't, I mean, I worked for some fantastic people, but I didn't feel like I had a lot of examples of um, leadership in the way that I really saw leadership. And so I didn't have a lot to go on. I didn't have a lot of um, role models to see it. And so I, I went off to coach training because I was looking for uh, skills in how to work with other humans. Um, and I remember uh, for a while sitting there going, I'm not becoming a coach. I'm not here to coach. I'm here to, I, you know, I want to get better at leadership. I will just say that that didn't, that didn't quite pan out. Um, <laughs> never say never. You never know what you're going to end up doing. But I, I became so passionate about um coaching and communication skills. And so, yes, today I'm a coach. I, I work with a whole team of coaches and we focus really on helping people communicate better with one another. I think that is, I think, I think in many ways, leadership can look like and be defined as a lot of things, but it really comes down to how do we show up and engage with other human beings? So, yeah, that's, and, and I completely agree for us, you know, the number one core value, as I mentioned earlier, when we were, is communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so huge, but we hear so many contradicting things when, when we're <laughs> the owner of the business or, or you mm -hmm. know, we're the CEO, it's, you know, you just got to repeat and communicate the same things over and over and over and over. And just when you think yeah. you're going to throw up, if you say it one more time, you need to say it five more times, but then you hear oh, you got to be creative in the way you communicate or you got to mm -hmm. be accountable in communication. And so we're like, what the heck is the answer? But I, 
I, I know enough to know everybody listening to this podcast connects yeah. right now because we all feel mm. out over our skis when it comes to working with people. Um, that is our, <laughs> the biggest place we struggle. It's yeah. uh, if, if yeah. you could do business with just the skill set or the mm. technical piece of what you do and not the people part, I think we would all have a hundred million dollar businesses, but that's not the case. Once you get to a certain level, you have to be able to have some sort of leadership development. And so, yeah, yeah, tell us how that, I mean, what's the strategy behind communication for you mm. and how does consistency versus repetition versus creative communication yeah. and structural conversations all come together? And, and how do we do that? I think that the example that you just gave is really fantastic because when we are interfacing with other humans, there will be things that I you know, even in our conversation, there might be things that, you know, I'm saying that resonate with you. There might be things or words that I use that, you know, I don't know that I'd say it that way. Like I might say it a different way. And so what's that's, that's just like the, the tip of the bigger iceberg is that we'll get, you know, if you work with someone long enough, you'll get feedback from others that'll say, uh, say it more or be more repetitious, or you need to have more gravitas in that message, or you really need to tone it down, like, or, or you're being really uh, high pitched and whiny about that. Like, so we don't have really any kind of good language for being able to name about, like, name the structure of what's happening in our conversation in a way that either one of us could, number one, make sense of it, um, understand what the other person is trying to tell us to adjust, and then to, and then action it. So I had one, you know, early on in my career, I had someone tell me, like, I needed to have more gravitas. And I'm like, what? Okay, that, you know, that sounds important. What the, know what, that is. what the heck does that mean? And what would I be doing? And how would that look? Like, I, you know, and what I know now is that one person's gravitas would actually be quite different probably from someone else's gravitas. It's really filtered from our own behavioral lens. So you asked a moment ago, like how, you know, yes, I talk a lot about can we, if we can see the structure, if we can see a name, the structure of our conversations, number one, we can um, catch ourselves when we're having what I call Groundhog Day conversations. These are those conversations that you have over and over I again. I love that term too. It's like <laughs> yes. I see that movie in my head. So I love it. Yes, yes. So we have this conversation over and over again, and we don't feel like we're making any progress. But if we're able to have a structure in which to make sense of it, so you can think of it a little bit like a, a technology of making sense of conversation and communication, which can be quite honestly, it can be quite complex because there's what's happening on the surface in our conversation. And then we're each going to have our own mental models, our own stories. I, you know, I'll have stories about things that worked and didn't, and that all that's going to inform me. It's more invisible. We call it invisible structures that inform the communication. But I'll give you a really, um, we'll start and maybe work with a really simple example as a way to just sort of uh, play around with this, with this technology. It's called structural dynamics. And the whole thought behind it is that Everything that we say can be coded, meaning we could we could have a morally neutral language for naming how we're speaking with one another. So there are four levels. We'll only talk about one of them right now. 
And that is, it's the act, it's the level of actions in conversation. And so everything that we say can be coded into one of four actions. Okay. So just pause for that, because I think that's pretty incredible. Okay, yes, a, that, that sounds like doable. Oh my God, <laughs> I, can, I can figure out four. Yes, yes, four. You only need to remember four. Um, and that every conversation will have, an effective conversation will have all four. Okay. An ineffective conversation will be missing one or more. So um, here they go. Well, yeah. This is, this is like my leadership development checklist. Now I feel yeah. like I'm in control. <laughs> I'm in for this. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Um, the first one, a move. So a move sets direction in the conversation. So that's the first kind of action. Um, move sets direction. So I just made a move and I said, let's, you know, let's talk about the structure. Um, the second action is follow. And follow gets behind and supports uh, a, a move or an oppose. But it's, it's supporting the line of the conversation. The third one is oppose, and oppose offers correction. It says, hey, hold on a second, or no, not that, um, or I disagree with that. So, and then the fourth one is called a bystand. This one gets a little tricky because people tend to think bystand um, has other, uh, other definitions, but when a bystand is used in a conversation, it offers a morally neutral perspective on what's happening. So it could uh, it could bridge competing ideas in a conversation, or it could just sort of name what's going on. So just as an example, um, if we were going to go get coffee at that place that you just named, <laughs> uh, you, might, you might say, hey, Marshall, let's go get coffee. And that would be a move. And I could follow and say, yes, sounds great. Um, and then I might bystand and say, but I'm noticing that I'm not really up in the mood for um, coffee right now. It's only, you know, it's only 10 a.m. Clear a pose. Let's not do it right now. New move. Um, how about at four o'clock today? Okay. Yep. So. We need all four of those to be voiced in a conversation in order for the conversation to be helpful or effective. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I'll follow that. Yeah. Are you still with me? Okay. Mm -hmm. So then here's what happens when we encounter other humans. <laughs> Is there are some patterns that start to come out that are pretty common where we voice one thing, but we actually intend something else. So, um, yeah, I feel like yes. we're guilty of that. Yeah, it's in our <laughs> mind, but that's not what comes out of our mouth. Yes. Yeah. So, when my daughter, I have a 14 year old, when she was much younger, um, she and I had a Groundhog Day conversation um, that I called Get Your Shoes On, Please. And we had it every morning when we were going somewhere that she didn't want to go. And I would make a move and say, you need to get your shoes on. And she would say, okay. And then I'd come back a few minutes later. I'd say, are your shoes on? No. And she'd say, need to get your shoes on. And she'd say, okay. So we set ourselves up. I was making a move. I need you to get your shoes on. She was voicing a follow, which was the okay. And then she was doing an oppose. 
because she wasn't putting her shoes on. Right. And so in this particular model, we would call that a covert oppose. So I'm intending, I'm intending a no, but I say, okay, which definitely implies a yes. Now, I tell that story because it's, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. <laughs> but it, you know, I think all of us could probably find an example of a time when we've done that. And the challenge with communication is when we're unclear and when we're doing one thing but intending another, it starts to create this muddy, this muddy pool of understanding. It's, it really, it really kind of clouds the understanding and thinking about what's happening between you and I or me and my daughter. And so one of the patterns that can emerge is um, that pattern of uh, move and follow that shows up a lot in organizations. It's called courteous compliance. And what will be happening is there can be many, many reasons for that, but um you know, think about being the business owner, you bring a certain mm, power dynamic to mm -hmm. that organization and it can start to form stories for others that, well, it's not my role to oppose. Or if I oppose, then uh, I could get fired. <laughs> or um, more likely, I might not be invited back to the next conversation, or I might start to be seen as the difficult person. So instead of one of the greatest things that I see happen in organizations, leadership teams, for sure, yes, even at leadership team level, is where, particularly in American business, where we have factored out or managed out the voice of the pose. And so the way it shows up as patterns of courteous compliance, people saying, okay, just tell me what you want me to do, which is really much more of that covert opposition. I'm voicing a follow, but you can hear even in my tone, just tell me what you want me to do, um, that I might not mean it, or there might be something that I'm holding back that I'm not saying. And then another way it will show up in, um, particularly in young companies that are like moving quickly, right? So the the yeah. goal is get stuff done. Lots of changes. Get stuff done. Figure yeah. it out. We got to make figure it happen it to figure out. I don't know how to do it. So I can't yes. necessarily tell you. We got to yes. figure this out together. Don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions. Yes. 100%. That'll earn you the pattern of serial moving. So okay. in the conversation, what starts to happen is Someone sets direction, says, you know, we need to talk about the strategy. Someone else makes another move. Hey, did you check that report on marketing yet? Hey, what about the um, party this weekend? Who's going to that? Hey, what about the... So all of a sudden, in a conversation, you've got... Multi it's, like, um, it's like we would all be juggling balls. You've got different moves coming from different parts of the conversation. And now what we have is a lot of energy a lot of topics, but what will be missing in that conversation is any kind of follow. So lots of moves. So you'll, if, if that's a pattern that's happening in your conversation, you'll leave the conversation and go, we talked about a whole lot today and I cannot tell you what we accomplished. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. 
Yeah. So what's happening when serial moves are taking place is that there's a lot of moves, a lot of ideas, but there's no follow or very little follow. And so um, as a leader, this becomes our task. And anybody can do this. So I hold that leadership exists by anybody. That's It's a quality to bring, not necessarily a role to fulfill. But in, in that vein of leadership, anybody in that conversation, if we can all just understand that conversations need all four actions, someone can say, can even bystand in that moment where there's serial moving and there's lots of ideas, hey, so time out. I'm noticing that we've got four topics on the table. So there's the party this weekend, the marketing report, this and this. Which of those four do we want to talk about first? So that's my bystand, but it's a way of prompting a group to bring more follow. Because otherwise, you know, at the end of this hour-long conversation, we're going to have four, eight, 15 ideas on the table, but no completion. There's no there's nobody's getting behind something and supporting it to say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry this through. Let's let's finish the conversation on this one first. So so question for you. I want to take mm-hmm. it back to the putting on the shoes example. Cause I think yeah. that is like such an awesome analogy with like what we see in, in business every day. Mm. I feel like if I'm you in that example with, with my team, yeah. it's very clear what I want to happen. I want you to put your shoes on. And yes. you and like my team has voice, they understand what they need to do now. Yes. Honestly, I just want the freaking shoes on. You can put them on the wrong feet. <laughs> we can fix that. You can put them on your head. Like, but yeah. so I feel like a lot of times as when I'm trying to be a leader, I'm trying to mm. be the CEO. I'm like, hey, I need you to put your shoes on every day by nine o'clock. And they're like, got it. But rarely yeah. are the shoes on or consistently do the shoes get put on by nine o'clock. So what... <laughs> In that example, like, how do we change? Like, what mm. what do we need to be doing different? Because obviously that doesn't work for your yeah. daughter and putting her yeah. shoes on. And it yeah. dang sure don't work for me. And so <laughs> what I what I end up doing is creating an Excel spreadsheet, making people check every morning that they put their shoes on. And I'm like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Right? Like a bunch of kindergartners. Chad, I absolutely love. Um, I love that. Because it's so true. We do. Um I did it even with my daughter. I just, I would come back and I'd say it louder the next day. And I'm like, okay, well maybe if I yell and now, now I'm being some version of myself that I really don't like. Yes, Um, I agree. 100%. You ended up not lighting who, like who you're becoming or your role in the company because I'm just pissed off half the time when it's not, that's not what I want. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm essentially raising my stakes, but so you're asking, what do we do? And I think the the common impulse would be for us to keep making the moves, uh-huh. right? So if we if we come back to the structure, I keep making moves, and what that's enforcing is the same pattern. So okay. what we need oh. to do, right. yes, yes. So move and oppose are the actions of advocacy. Follow and bystand are the actions of inquiry. So even with my daughter, when it's like I can either defend my point of view and keep asserting, making moves, or I can hit the timeout and go, okay, 
I need to take a deep breath and I need to get curious about the other. Because that pattern of when the shoes, so with my daughter uh, in particular, you know, what was, what her pattern is, it's, it still is a dynamic between her and I, and I get reminded of it even as, a, even as she's a teenager. If I keep asserting my ideas, um, it creates no space for her voice or for her to make a move. And I think this is one of the biggest lessons in leadership I talk all the time about as leaders, we really need to grow our range in leadership. We need to be able to, yes, we need to be the ones voicing moves sometimes. And then sometimes our job is to get out of making moves and create space for others to make a move that we can follow or support. And so in the, in the instance of my daughter, what I started to do is instead of, instead of making moves, I actually would start to bystand and I would say, hey, I'm noticing um, that it's, uh, I'm noticing the bus will be here in about 20 minutes. And I just stopped. Um, and then I'd say, you know, what's, what are you doing right now? And she'd say, you know, I'm playing on the computer. What are you, what are you playing? Um, you know, I'm building this house blocks. Oh, that's fascinating. I know you really love that. I'm noticing it's, you know, about 20 minutes. And so eventually I just stopped making the move. And what she would start to do is say, oh, I think I need to get my shoes. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, and so, it, you know, it's a really small example. And I think the same applies in, yeah. our, in our teams. Like we have, so if, some, if people are following, but they have something else to say, a lot of times, if we keep making moves, we're not creating any space for opposition. We're not creating any space for someone to push back and say, hey, I, you know, I disagree. I'm not sure that this is the right way for us to be going on. And then for me, instead of being the one that just either shuts that off or calls for a, a break, to go, oh, that's fascinating. Can you tell me more? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? All right. I love that because I think there's two sides to every story. And mm -hmm. often at, from our side, we are blinded by, we just want the freaking shoes on, yeah. but there may be something else happening that's more important, or there's other things yeah. that are working on or doing that's much bigger than putting the shoes on. Um, yeah. And so I totally get that as a leader. And I think we fail mm -hmm. to take that into account. Um I'm interested to hear your opinion on this because now that mm. this is that starts to totally make sense to me of let's have a conversation yeah. about what's going on, not a demand of put your shoes on or else. I, yeah. I love that. Um, and, and also just understand that other side, have a conversation, mm. be more cooperation instead of less do it, do it now or do it by nine o'clock. Um, I'm interested to know. What happens when when you need ten people to put their shoes on, or you mm. need a hundred? Like I know, mm. I know leadership is possible. I see yeah. it. I see people lead companies with thousands of people. I'm trying to get eight people to put their shoes on. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> understand how somebody leads a hundred people. Like I can't <laughs> lead eight. I can't get eight people to put their shoes on. So how? 
how does that change from a mm. one person conversation when it comes to eight people? I can't, I feel yeah. like I can't have that, you know, that oppose and bystand mm. eight mm. different times in the morning sometimes. Yeah. I think it comes, you know, it becomes about having different, um, different kinds of conversations at scale. So, you know, the larger an organization, you know, as an organization grows, you can think about how you put structures in place and where you create space to have the meaningful conversation, a conversation that is about, um, like I, you know, even in our company at Team Catapult, one of the things that we have found is that we can be consumed as, as every organization is these days for sure with just meeting after meeting after meeting that is all about, you know, moving work forward. Like what's the task? How do we need to get through it? We've only got an hour. We've only got 30 minutes. And so we become so driven by getting stuff done that we don't slow down for different kinds of conversations. Like the conversation that's more strategic that actually does take slower pace. It takes, creating space for more opposition. Um, conversations where we're focused on how we work together. Like I um, I just interviewed a leader the other day that actually carves out, you know, they work developing software and they work in three weeks fronts. Two weeks are about developing the software. One week is about reflecting and having the conversation about how we're working. So I think when you're operating at scale, right, you're beyond just one-on-one or one-on-eight, you're, you're looking at how you put structures in place to have the kinds of conversations that you need to have, but it does take a bit more planning and Okay, and that, I, I love that yeah. because I think, you know, for me, <clears throat> we kind of live and die by our calendars and that tells us yeah. what we do when we do it. And if we are strategic and put some structure around taking time to, to mm-hmm. encourage communication or allow the space for communication or even schedule time to oppose some of the things we're yeah. doing or share yeah. more things. That's, that's definitely not something I am doing. It is, we have an hour and a half meeting once a week and we crank out these things and talk about these things yeah. and go to work and yeah. see you next week. And I hope it's all yeah. done. Um, it's not taking that time um, as a group or individually. So I, I love that. That, I mean, that's, that's where things start to really make sense for me in more mm. of the, process and strategy behind leadership development and communication. Now, is this something that for me as a CEO and and as a leader right now of my team of eight, Mm -hmm. I need to be teaching them as well? Or is this something Mm -hmm. I just need to hold that role and create that space to grow people? When do you start? When do you try to start teaching <laughs> leadership versus yeah. just trying to learn leadership. Mm. I think, um, so it'll be different for everyone. I'll, I am a big advocate of building your own model for leadership. So okay. I'll like just that. Uh, caveat that. Like, I think the work to do as leaders is to build our own model of leadership. You can, you can Google, I don't know, 90,000 book titles on leadership. There's, uh, everybody's got a particular point of view. They're all helpful, but I think the real work in leadership is asking ourselves those questions. So in my model for leadership, what will be important to me? Where will I both teach and and model? Um, so that's the first part of the way I'd answer that question. I think the second part of it is 
I'm a huge fan of not needing of not needing to be the only one, you know, working on myself. And I think there is no better way to grow your own leadership, your your personal leadership than to do it with others. Because boy, do I tell you, <laughs> you could go off and do your own leadership development, but you learn so much about yourself when you're working with that tight group of people um, who, who, who quite frankly, sometimes, you know, we spend sometimes more time with the people we work with and our leadership teams than we do with our loved ones at home. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time I get done with work, I often have fewer words to say to my family at home anyways. So, um, but anyways, it, it's, I think, you know, if you think about just taking the four player model and sharing it with your leadership team, I think it's simple. Um, it's easy. You can do it together. And it like, it's a way to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to watch for patterns. So we're going to watch to see where one or more of these actions starts missing from our conversation. And then we're all going to take responsibility for naming it when it happens. Say, hold, hold on a second. I think we're, wait a minute. We've had this conversation before. Yellow flag. We might be in one of those patterns. And then, okay, what's the action that maybe is missing? And we just start to, we slow it down enough that we create space for more curiosity. That's, so, I love yeah. the act, the keyword of action there. I think that is huge. Yeah. Taking an action and and kind of stimulating what you want that outcome to be. I love that. And yeah. and so your book, you know, build your model for leading change. Yeah. From my understanding, it's almost more of a workbook than a textbook, right? And helping yeah. us develop our model of leadership. Because, because if in case you haven't gathered, I'm all about I'm all about reflection and learning, but I'm definitely all about and then what do you do? So it's a little bit like so what now what? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah it, I can, it's a guided workbook. Learning something doesn't. I mean, that's awesome, but I can learn stuff. But if I don't know how to implement it or I don't have a clear roadmap or path, it's yeah. somewhat useless to me as a business owner. So I love that, and I'm, I'm excited mm -hmm. to to dive into that and be very strategic about action mm. and building our model. And I think that's for most of us, right? We don't know how to do this. So let's mm. follow somebody else's model, but that's yeah, yeah, probably not the wise move. I think that's where we all start. So I do think that we absolutely start in a place of imitating others, mm -hmm. like particularly with leadership. So, you know, it, you might be listening to this today and structure you know, this model of the four player model might be like, oh, I'm really thinking that would be useful. And Marcia said it, you know, she said these words. And so you might find I'm all for this. Like you might find yourself taking a phrase that I've used today and like you start to do it yourself, like you're, Im you're imitating. But then I think there comes a point where you'll start to, you're, you'll start to push back on that and go, yeah, I mean, I, I shared this with my leadership team, but now, now I want to share it with the whole company or actually I don't really want to like, I want to use this just for me. I don't really need to share it with others. So I think there are all, we're always kind of doing this process of building our own model. We're just, I don't know that we give it as much attention as we give to things like building our org chart or building our, um, our profit margin model. So I think we give those things a lot of attention. I don't think we give our leadership as much attention. And I think 100 it's the crux of it all. 
Yes, that's so true. We don't we don't build time around it. We don't build schedules around it. And that's exactly yeah. what one of the biggest things I'm picking up here. All right. Yeah. I, there is so much more to talk about. This is this is <laughs> we got to do another episode because yeah. we got to circle around this. I, I need to work through mm-hmm. building my model and follow your book and mm-hmm. kind of work through some things. So I want I mean, I feel like we've been talking five minutes and we're like 35 minutes in and I'm like, I <laughs> Well, we're starting to get somewhere and this is super awesome. And so mm. I I do want to have you on as a guest again, if you're willing to do it, let's continue to talk about leadership and development. And like you said, it's a journey that's constantly changing. Yeah. This is not, yeah. you're going to learn something in 30 minutes and go be an awesome leader for the rest of your life. We're all figuring this out. Um, you yeah. included it sounds yes. like, which I love. Um, but at yeah. this point in the episode, this is where we start to wrap up at least this talk on leadership development with our max out moment. And mm. this is your chance to share with our audience one takeaway, one max out. How do they go mm. out and get stronger in leadership, mm. leadership development, a tip, a tactic, a takeaway, something they can go out and do this weekend. And just what piece of advice would you leave us with as we start to wrap this episode up? Mm. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I'd say is just pay attention to yourself in conversations. I think leaders bring the weather and where we can catch sight, like our biggest job is to grow our self-awareness of how we show up in conversations. And so we've talked today about a model, like it's, and you know, I think it's, it can be a fairly easy, accessible one. Like, where do I find myself? overly making moves or where am I stuck in opposing or where am I often the one following and how could I do one thing different? Like how could I do one less move and find one of the other actions to bring? So I, I think that it, yeah, I think leaders bring the weather really being clear about how you show up in conversations. It impacts everything that you're doing in your org. i I, I just wish people had an appreciation for how much communication impacts the results we get. Oh my God. I love that so much. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just think about it for some reason, what's flashing in my mind is like sports analogies of like people watching film of their own golf swing or people like, yeah. reflecting. Yeah. it's like as leaders as business, or we don't go into it, like mm. looking at ourselves or thinking about what, the, you know, the mood or the weather we bring to the yeah. meeting or the conversation. That is, yeah. oh my God, talk about something that's a huge takeaway and we can all go out and do in, in mm. as we go back to uh, our positions today or we go into the weekend or we go into our meetings next week. I yeah. love that max out moment. Marsha, this has been amazing. Um, mm. I mean, in our little bit of time talking today, I've learned so much. We left a lot of meat on the bone to dive back into later. <laughs> you have been so fantastic and and just uh, teaching mm-hmm. our audience and teaching me a ton of things around leadership development. Where do people find you at? Where do they buy the book? Um, how do mm-hmm. we connect more? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Um, people can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Marsha Acker. Uh, just tell me, it just dropped me a, a note about um, why you're connecting. I'm usually really good about responding and you can get a copy of the book at buildyourmodel.com it's also available at your local online bookstore and if you support indie bookstores and small local bookstores you can order it that way too so it's accessible in multiple versions 
I love it. You have buildyourmodel.com? What yes. an awesome domain. That's <laughs> super cool. Well, Marsha, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, all our stronger business podcast audience out there, go out there, reflect on yourselves as a leader, schedule time to be a better leader, mm-hmm. focus on communication, on conversation around kind of changing that from a demand and a co- making it into a conversation. And it sounds like we, our people don't need to change. We need to change how we're approaching the mm. problems or the conversations as leaders. And God, it's so clear once you, you lay it out from putting your shoes on a very simple yeah. example <laughs> that seems so easy that relates so well. So thank you so much. You all go out there yeah. and get stronger and uh, Marshall, we look forward to having you back again. Thank you, Chad. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.